Today's podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter John Hill. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation, log on to schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We're also brought to you by funnyandamen.com. You know, comics, when you're out there doing your shows, you don't have time to fool around with setting up the video cameras, trying to get the sound right. You need to hire a professional to come out and record your show. Well, recently, I was up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's right, the city of brotherly love. And Funny and Amen showed me some brotherly love by coming out and recording the show and providing clips to me that I can now promote my comedy with. I tell you what, they set up two cameras. It was really crystal clear video. In fact, if you go to this episode in the show notes, you can click on the link to see some of my video that they recorded. Uh, Kevin Hackenberg and his team at funnyandamen.com will take care of you and help you promote yourself online through great quality video. You know, he's got over 20 years of experience producing, directing, and shooting feature films, commercials, and live recordings. And now, he is all about producing clean comedy content. So check out the team at funnyandamen.com. That's funny, A-N-D-A-M-E-N, funnyandamen.com. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here, and today... I've got a fun little comedy campfire after school special going on. What is that? That's when I sit around after one of my classes and just kind of chill out with the students. They ask a few questions. I offer a few answers and we all learn something together. I figure since it's on their mind and they're just now getting started in comedy, it's probably on your mind too. So today they ask questions and some really good ones. In fact, uh, we have four big questions. The first is, how do you make a story funnier? How do you get a story stand-up ready on stage? We talk about that. We talk about how much creative license you have on stage. You know, you can only take things so far sometimes before the audience pushes back, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about trying to define your stage persona. When you first start, man, that's a big question right there. And knowing that obviously would help you write material, but you may not know all that right off the bat. And we talk about that in great detail. And then we also talk about what it's like to live the life of a comedian. I've been doing this for, uh, wow. 26 years and uh, more than half my life. I'm 48, so definitely more than half my life. That's weird to think about. Man, I've got, I've got a couple of sweatshirts that are older than probably some people listening to this podcast right now. It's, uh, oh man, I don't even want to think about that. Anyway, uh, we talk about what it is like to be a comedian, how that affects everything else you do, uh, your relationships, your family, all that kind of stuff, and uh, knock that question out in this podcast as well. You know, before we get into it, I'm going to read one quick iTunes review, and if you hang with me for about 40 seconds, we'll be there to kick off the episode. Uh, this one comes from Rio James on February 28, 2017, and it says, I love this show, five stars. First of all, I'm not even a comedian, but this show is very entertaining, inspirational, and educational. I've just binged the last 10 episodes or so and can't wait to knock out the rest. I've been a fan of Rick's for years. His clean comedy is funnier than all the foul comedians combined. Wow, thank you. And this podcast gives us a peek behind the curtain of comedy. Love it. Hey, thank you, Rio James, whoever you may be. And I hope you listen to a few more episodes. Maybe get all the way through 130 or 140, whatever we got going on out there right now. 
Uh, happy to have you along, and thanks for the review. All right, let's get into this week's episode, the After School Special. So I'm here at SIR, Studio Instrument and Rental here in Nashville, Tennessee, where we just finished our third of three writing classes, and I've got a handful of students that stuck around to ask some questions, and I figure if it's on their mind, it's probably on your mind, too, since you're listening to this podcast and you're all into comedy. So, uh, sir, why don't you tell everybody your name and a little bit about yourself uh, or why you took the class, and then hit me with your question. Okay. So And, um, and, and get as close to that mic as you can. My name is John. I'm a software engineer. And uh, why did I take the class? It sounded like fun. Uh, one of the other students um, here is my brother-in-law. And uh, he was talking about it. He was sounding really excited about it. And I thought to myself, while he's explaining, I said, hey, that sounds like fun. And what, did, Was it fun? It was a lot of fun. Oh, good. It was okay. a ton of fun. And uh, it's, comedy uh, has always been something I've read a lot about uh, and always been interested in, but, you know, Never, never even close to that industry. Um, so, my question is: uh, uh, you know, we we've learned a lot about writing, uh, and sort of we've we learned a lot about the uh, you know the uh, different techniques to 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 write, and particularly the uh, you know kind of boils down to the make a statement, the premise, the punch, then the tag. And uh, my question is about sort of, uh, you know, maybe the next step, a lot of comics have the storytelling approach to, to uh, comedy. And I was wondering if you could give us a couple of pointers, maybe guidelines on what, what makes a good story. Yeah, that's a great question. There are a lot of more, I think a lot more comics now are telling stories than in the past. Comedy's gotten more conversational in, in a lot of ways. And the traditional... You know, Rodney Dangerfield, 16 jokes in three minutes thing still works, but there's more people doing the story. So how does a story still work in a comedy club environment or a comedy environment uh, in general? I think, well, I mean, the story structure is going to stay intact. So, you know, you've got person A along the, along the lines, they bump into person B or whatever, or situation B that they have to overcome or challenge themselves to get better, whatever the, the, the conflict in the story is. You got to resolve the conflict, and then they move on. They either learn something from it, or they make the same mistake again. That's and there's a lot of different varieties of story structure, but let's just say it's that that structure. In each part of those those five parts, you want to set up who that character is. So if it's you, the audience needs to know a little something about you so they can connect and pull for you, just like in a story. You want to resonate with that character. But as you're doing that, you can describe yourself in a way that's funny with the self-deprecating joke. You know, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, every time I walk in a revolving door, the guy behind me ends up in front of me. That's that's my life. You know, give them a, a reason to laugh, but it also gives them some information about you. And then when you introduce the conflict, same thing applies. You know, uh, then I met this girl that I thought I might marry, but she was from this type of family, and I'm from this type of family. And go deeper into the, you know, my type of family. On holidays, we did this. And it's a funny story with the punchline. Her family would do this. And it's funny, but it's different. It shows about her. And so you just move each step of the story along with you pause and a, a set structure, set up joke to where they can be laughing along through the story instead of waiting all the way for the major twist of the story to get the laugh. And, you know, great comics to look at that do that. You know, Bill Cosby back in the day was 
one of the best at telling stories. He had you hooked into it. It's it's interesting. And there's he, when he describes his, his brother Russell and all these guys, you, you can really picture them. And so you want to create visuals like that. Uh, Richard Pryor was great at telling life stories. You know, mm-hmm. even you know after he became famous, and he like set his hair on fire by freebasing or whatever. He came back on his next special and told the story behind that and made it funny. So you know, there's nothing off limits as far as what you can talk about for sure. And you know now, yeah, there's, there's a few comics that come to mind, but really to to learn more about the structure of story in general. I think I mentioned last week the Moth podcast is a great one. I'll link to that in the show notes for the listeners. But you hear some comics go on that podcast and do some of their f- famous bits, but they're telling them in story form. And so you can kind of just make some notes as they create their story on how often they're getting laughs and just kind of use that as a blueprint for what you might want to aim for. Okay. But, yeah, there's every story that – you know the best story to start off with as you start comedy is a story you always end up telling your buddies that you, you – you haven't seen each other in 10 years and you went to high school together and you always talk about that one thing you guys got away with or what you did. That's a story you know pretty well. Now you just have to kind of make it accessible to people who don't know you. So some of that inside stuff that you can get away with saying to your buddies just by looking at each other, you got to make that part of the story. Okay, great. Cool. Thanks, Rick, I'll see you in phase two. And we'll definitely take your stories down the road in that class. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Thanks John. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name's Matt. I took the class. Um, I'm a graphic designer. So for me, it was just a different outlet to be creative, um, a new way to think uh, creatively, but uh, also kind of curious about just trying to do an open mic around town. So uh, yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable about it now. Good. Just giving it a shot and experimenting along the way. So. But yeah, my question was um, just kind of started as I started writing, um, wondering uh, how I can take a story and when you add to it, how best uh, you can embellish that joke or story and how far you can take it and uh, still keep the audience believing. Right. And maybe some examples you've had where uh, you had a lot of success or maybe one where it just didn't work out very well. Sure. No, that's a good question. The a few different questions in that question. I think the first one really is, you know, how much can you embellish and, and how far can you take it? And from my experience, as long as the joke is rooted in a truth or a reality or a believable reality, you can take it a lot of directions. You know, if you start with a premise that's really outlandish, unless that's your entire style and people know that's what's coming from you. And there's, there's only been a few comics. That, it's like Rob Schneider back in the 80s, uh, 90s. He had a lot of jokes that started in really obscure. Like he would open his refrigerator and see a tiny Elvis next to his milk. Like that's a weird joke. <laughs> Where do you go from there? You can't really go that far because you started weird. You know, if you think about guys that do other material that are weird, like Emo Phillips, like that's an interesting guy to study in general. But his jokes are rooted in reality. And then he takes it as weird as he can get it from there. So one thing is, you know, start with something that's believable and then see how far you can take it. The audience will always let you know if, you know, when you're first writing it, you may not know. It really takes that first time you say it out loud on stage to see how far they'll go with you. And if you lose them at some point, you know, that's a turning point in your joke to go back and fix and maybe maybe add a fact or a more believable statement to kind of reel them back into this actually happened. Um, and then you can really take it anywhere you want by after you've established a joke and your initial punchlines and everything, just by asking the question, you know, 
if this was in a dream, I would have done this. And then you can do anything that, I mean, yeah. as an illustrator, you know, as a cartoon character, you can do anything because you're on paper, you know, in a, in a dream sequence, anything can happen. So you can take a, a joke really weird that way. But the great thing is the, the audience is going to let you know right there, you know, they'll stop laughing if it's not believable. So you think you, do you kind of respond to the audience or like, okay, this is kind of going to reel it back a little bit or change it up or. Yeah. What I do, uh, and, and I'd be trying these out at open mics just like you would before I put them in my real show. And so I would be pushing it as far as I can. And when they stop, I'll go, okay, I guess that's where I need to go back and finish this joke next week. Or I'll, you know, a lot of comics and sometimes I'll say is, uh, man, you guys can really sniff out a new joke a mile away. Or, you know, apparently that was funnier in the shower than it is out here on stage, things like that. Just to kind of let them know that, okay, I'm not an idiot. I realize I didn't go where it should have gone, but I'll be back next week. I'll fix it, you know. But always owning the reality is important. If you pretend it's not there, then they start thinking that you don't realize it's not there. Then there's that really awkward (laughs) moment, you know. And then also, too, maybe having a couple of go-to lines for when – it sounds like you're going to be the guy who wants to write some pretty crazy stuff. So, <laughs> well, I, I just want to bend reality, but make sure that it's nothing, you know, people are totally not connecting with, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I'd be prepared for them to kind of push back at some point because you want to push it as far as you can and just have some lines ready for when that happens. Like, you know, one line I would I used to throw out when I was trying out new jokes would be, uh, ooh, uh, wow, no reaction at all. For more on that punchline, go to awkwardsilence.com. <laughs> see how this joke ends you know yeah just to let them know that i know gotcha and yeah. uh, and audiences are the best audiences are extremely honest with you the last thing you want is the audience is going to give you polite applause or laughter just because they think they should i i always tell audiences you know i'd rather you be honest so that i get this right sooner than to lie to me you know especially at open mics and you got to watch out to it open mics because sometimes the comics in the back will laugh and make you think the joke was good, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to do it next week in front of a different crowd, thinking it was good, and they they fooled yeah. you by laughing at it. You got to have your antennas up pretty pretty high on the open mic sometime. But I'm looking forward to, to what you come up with because it yeah. sounds like it might lead to some pretty cool places. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Absolutely, thanks, Matt. All right, we got another guy pulling up a chair. Tell us who you are and why you took the class, and we'll hey, jump Rick, in. How you feeling? Good, man. Uh, I'm Jeffrey C. I took this class. I used to be a script doctor in Los Angeles. Very cool. And, tell, and people that don't know what a script doctor is, give them a quick sentence uh, or two. You go in and you fix other people's uh, mess-ups or plot points or inciting incidents or off or was it powerful enough to make the real pow to it. You basically clean up other people's work. Mm-hmm. Their name goes on it. You get paid. It's okay. Yeah. It's a, you know, I know, I know sure. some guys out there that do that. It's not a bad, de- not sure. A bad deal. Sure. Why not? And... Um, uh, stand up is on my bucket list in my lifetime. Um, took this class because I really wanted to know structure. Obviously, being a screenwriter, structure is everything mm-hmm. to me. A little bit of OCD involved. Right. I need some structure. And it was dead on what I was looking for. Oh, great. That's good dead to hear. On, dead on the structure part because I can, I can think that way. I can think in blocks. Mm-hmm. I can think in sections that's cool yeah i'm the same way like if I, if I can see a blank space i know where to put something exactly but if the entire page is blank there's no little square around a place where to, i put something i can't do it yeah so knowing where i can plug stuff in that's good to know man yeah. thank you uh my question was um what would you recommend to a new comic trying to find out who their stage persona is going to be you know, could be important when they sit down and work on their material i think yeah so right off the bat you know, how could they find that? Well, you know, even before you write your first joke, 
what you could do, and, and I even recommend this to comics throughout their career, is to gather up some of your best buddies and say, listen, uh, what do you guys say about me when I'm not here? You know, how do you describe me to friends who have never met me? Seriously. <laughs> and just tell them, be, be honest. Say, if, if you have negative things, you say, I want to hear that too. I want to hear every aspect. And, you know, if, if they don't jump on board with that, start telling them what's wrong with them and all the things <laughs> you say about them. And then they're going to fire back the stuff that they're holding back. But that's an important thing to do because in your mind, you have an idea loosely. You may not have it, you know, really defined yet, but you kind of know what you think you want to do on stage. And you sort of have an idea of what you think will work on stage. But if that idea isn't congruent with with what people see when you step on stage, exactly. it's going to make it harder. Now, you you can definitely take what they see on stage and go polar opposite so it's surprising and you have juxtaposition about what you're doing on stage. And it, and it works because it's so different. And why would that guy be talking like this, you know? Yeah. Um, but being really in tune with, with – I mean, your friends kind of know you. Sometimes they have a perspective that – that you don't have anymore because you've, you've been in your skin forever, but they see you, they've seen the changes you've gone through. They also know, you know, your good friends will know the big moments that changed your perspective. You know, he was this way until he met her or until she left or until, you know, this thing happened in his family or whatever. And, and those are, those turning points in your life are important to write jokes and material around too. And if you do that and write material that you can put in early in your set, not only are you helping the audience understand who you are, but you're setting up kind of a flow of where your material might want to come from. So, you know, if you feel like, um, you've, if you always felt like an outlier, if you always felt like um, you've always been working for somebody else instead of yourself, if you always feel like you're a, a people pleaser, you know, those are things you kind of know about yourself, but your friends are going to give you the stuff that's more concrete, the real traits and characteristics you have. Yeah, I've heard some of their stuff. Uh, I mean, are there any things that they say now that you you agree <laughs> with that you think, well, I can write from that perspective? I, that is kind of me. I think there are versions of it. it's a little bit extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, that sounds about right, but you're cranking it up to a 10. I felt like that was about a four. Right. So, you know. Well, that and that's another. But maybe. Maybe that's who it is. Maybe I'm a 10 Well, on, on a, that level. On stage, I always say, you know, be like 115% or more of, of who you are off stage. If you're an interesting person off stage and you can tell some funny stories, that works around friends, that works around casual acquaintances. On stage, you have to be a little extra interesting. The, the most interesting version of yourself, the most entertaining version of yourself. Okay. If you're a depressed comic, the most depressed version. If you're <laughs> confused, the most confused version. Because you want to you wanna give some people something they can relate to. That's the first 100%. And then that next 15% is stuff that like, whoa, I don't ah, – I've never seen that before. Yeah. Or <laughs> – in the best case scenario, if you have the ultra fan, like finally somebody who is just like me, but they you wouldn't they wouldn't have identified if you didn't throw in that extra fifteen percent. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly, no, exactly. So it, it it will change too as you go throughout. That's why I say uh, to even comics that have been doing it for five or ten years, email some of your best friends, people that have seen you on stage and off, and say, you know, how do you describe me when I'm not around? Because the audience may be perceiving you that same way, but you haven't written material from that slight twist or tweak yeah, to your exactly. to your perspective so um, it's cool that you're aware of that now and you're thinking ahead yeah and I mean, you know, yeah, get right. that feedback and work with the parts that seem to exactly. that you identify with that's great that's yeah, right man. on target cool yeah, i can't I wait to it. see what comes out of it all right thanks a lot you bet this is charity tell us a little bit about you and why you took the class well, hi i'm uh i'm charity obviously <laughs> um 
And I, uh, I decided to take this class because, um, mostly just because I'm a very strange and comedic person, like just in general. And I got pretty good at uh, talking to people and banter and just being witty on the spot. And I was like, well, I need to write this stuff down. So let's learn how to write it down. So that's, that's why I'm here. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And uh, my question was, uh, well, I guess it's, yeah, it's a question. Um, it was, uh, how, how was it like, what is it like um, kind of living the life, like doing, doing shows and like having to deal with other comics and just the business in general? Like, can it be cutthroat? Can it be tiresome? I know sometimes it'll take a long time before you get a hit and then it's like, bam, 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 bam. But what is that really like? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a great question and something we don't really talk about in the writing class, which is I'm glad you brought it up here because it'll be slightly different for everybody, obviously, depending on where you start and, and the, the comedy scene or whatever. But in general, when you first start, you have a lot of stuff going on in your head that's not really there. All right. So I, I bet every comic listening who's done one open mic or a hundred will tell you that the first time they went to an open mic, they felt like everybody was staring at them. You know, like, oh, this is going to be too hard to pull off and it's all in your head. And then after you get going a little while, you still you start making friends with other comedians, and whether you realize it or not, other comedians are looking at you as a comp- competitor, and they hate you because you're on stage, and, and you might have better jokes than them. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, I don't need that person taking my five minutes on stage up by being funnier than me. So you never even talk to that person or say anything to upset them, but they're naturally the newcomers trying to take my territory. That sounds a lot like high school. It, it, well, I'll tell you what, the open mic scene is a lot like that. It, that there's kind of clicky over here. It's not so much clicks as people have started at the same time. They know each other. They kind of want to see if you're going to last longer than six months before they even get to know you because so many comics don't make it past that. They kind of try it two or three times, and they, they're gone. So it's just like it's investing time in a relationship. They're not going to do that with a stranger until they kind of see you're sticking it out and probably that you're making some progress at it and you're digging it. Then as you start to hit the road a little bit, you know, the first phase you'll you'll be driving, you know, we're in Nashville, so you'd be driving to Birmingham to do some sets down there, Huntsville, Louisville, Lexington, you might drive to St. Louis. And so it's almost like it all starts over again. You you've never been to St. Louis, so you may have met somebody that came through Nashville that did an open mic and they said, Hey, when you come to St. Louis, this is the place to go and you kinda now you're the new person from out of town. Sometimes you're a bigger threat because they they must be pretty good. They drove here from Nashville or whatever. <laughs> but it's all perception, you know. You might make some buddies at that spot and then eventually start getting some paid work. Then when you get on the road, you have to be a very disciplined person and you really have to stick to what your goals are and and really have some structure to your day or else it can all fall apart as faster than it came together. You know, best case scenario, you end up working with comics, you know, a, a comedy club will usually either have hotel rooms for the comics or they'll have a condo where the Two, you know, usually the headliner and the feature will stay in the condo, or the MC and the feature will stay in the condo, and the the headliner, who's a bigger name, gets his own hotel room. But you'll be sharing space with another comedian, and man, it can go either way. And it, when it's not a person that you're compatible with hanging out with, it's a miserable week. Mm. I mean, it, I, there were times where I checked out of the condo for lack of a better term and went and got my own hotel, so I didn't have to hang around the negativity oh, all boy. week. Yeah, yeah. It's, Best case scenario, I mean, I had guys that, you know, saved me from, there was a time where I was put up in a really bad hotel and the other, the headliner in the feature took the condo because it was within walking distance of the club. And then they, uh, we don't want to put an MC at a nice hotel. Let's give him this 
literally a flea bag, pay by the hour kind of <laughs> ridiculous place. And I told the headliner, he's like, where are you staying at? I told him, he's like, no, 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 no. You can have, like, you can have the fold out couch here at the condo. There's no reason for you to drive that far and stay at that. So a, a class act like that makes it all worthwhile because then you get bonding over, you know, he's been in that spot before, she's been in that spot before you start kind of getting along. And then that week in the condo, at some point, you guys hang out, you're drinking coffee, and you're throwing ideas back to each other. And on the best weeks, the comics are, like, holding each other accountable. Like, listen, that's st- the stuff you said this afternoon, you've never done it on stage? Never done it on stage. You've you got to do it this week. You do that, and I'll do this joke. And, you know, they put the pressure on you to, to work. Because when you get to the level where you're getting work, you tend to get into this cocoon of only doing your best tried-and-true material, and you stop growing for a while. And part of that's because you're trying to keep the job that you just got for the first time at the improv or the funny bone or the sanies or whatever. Yeah. But at some point you need to realize that you, you can't keep doing the exact same set as an opener or a feature. You shouldn't as a headliner, but a lot of guys and gals do once, once they get their hour that works, they don't change it. And then the, the lifestyle itself, you think you're kind of, are you self-starter pretty much? Are you good at um, being independent? Well, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm miss has a new idea every two weeks. So. Yeah, so you got your thing going on. It, it, you'll have a lot of downtime. I mean, that's the hardest part when you first start. You got all day long, and you, as an opener, you got fifteen minutes to perform, oh, and then you yeah. have the other twenty-three hours and forty-five minutes to to think about how that performance went. And if you get negative in there, then it's you. You don't have a. You don't feel good till you have a good set again. If you allow yourself to think that way, it can be really tough. Um, it's a lot of miles in the car. A lot of doing gigs for free just to kind of get into the network and get into the next city and meet those comics. But once the wheels start turning, um, for you know, I've been doing it for 26 years. Like it's 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 always a grind in a different way. Now it's a great grind. I'm, I'm going to do gigs that you know treat me really well. But sometimes there's like four gigs in four cities that are flights. You know, two connecting flights away, three days in a row. It's a Instead of driving the 500 miles and popping out to do 15 minutes, now it's it's that kind of grind sometimes. But at the end of the day, you're doing what you love to do. Every show is different. No show goes exactly like you think it's going to go. You, you can look at an audience. There's been definitely nights where I look at the audience and like, I don't have a chance. This is there's this is not my crowd. We started at 11 o'clock at night. I'm an 8 o'clock comedian now. You know, <laughs> They're all 22. I'm 48. And then I go up and it's like one of the best shows of the year. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. Then there's other weeks where I look at and it's all 48 years old people. And I'm like, this is my crowd. And they, they're like, and they're just like, they're like, we want something different than a guy that looks just like us that tells, you know, <laughs> so you never know. But you learn how to adjust on the fly and make the shows work. Yeah. And that's always cool. The, the hard part is with your family. You're sometimes gone longer than you want to be. Um, mm. I started when I was really young, so I didn't have family or anybody to be held responsible to and my, my bills were low and that kind of gave me an advantage over somebody that starts a little bit later but my disadvantage was I didn't have as much life experience to talk about so every level there's a trade-off but if if you like seeing the world seeing the country getting paid to do it at some point uh all my best friends i've got three great friends from high school that i'm still close with and then hundreds of i consider close because i spent weeks with these people and when you see them, you pick up right where you left off, and it's it's all. And when you see them have success, you know I've, you know I've never done the late night TV shows. I probably got thirty fairly close friends that have, and it's just very cool to see them get up there and knock it out, and you know what they went through and all that. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty great. So it's uh, there's nothing more fun, you know, especially if you find that it's in your wheelhouse. 
you just got to be patient when you feel like it's got to happen tomorrow. And then when it's happening tomorrow, you got to chill out and <laughs> make sure you're ready for it. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks, class, for all the questions. I know it looks like I've got some, some of you guys headed for the performance class and the improv stuff, so I'll see you guys just in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for taking the writing class. I'm glad to hear you got some stuff out of it. And uh, you've got a couple more weeks to send me those jokes from the assignments if you want to do that. Thanks again, and talk to you guys later. Thanks, Greg. Hey! There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. A good bunch of students, as you can tell, really sharp. And that makes it extra fun for me as a teacher to have people that are thinking above and beyond what we're even doing in class. They're already thinking down the road. I love it. Hey, if you're wondering about upcoming classes in Nashville, Tennessee, let me go ahead and tell you what we've got going on here since I've got them pulled up right in front of me. Uh, the Business of Comedy Seminar, that's where we sit around for three and a half hours max and dig deep into what's going on when you become a stand-up comedian, what steps you need to take, when you can expect to take them, what not to waste your time on, what to invest in, all the different aspects of turning your comedy into an actual comedy business. That's going to happen on Saturday, May 13th from 1 to 4 p.m. out here in Hermitage at the School of Laughs headquarters. Nice. The investment on that class is $99, and that is a lifetime membership. So if you've taken this class in the past and you've got new questions or you have some brushing up to do, feel free to stop out and see us at that class. We also have a performance class coming up really soon. That's Mondays, April 10, 17, and 24. From 6 to 8 p.m., we have one spot left for that class. It's going to be pretty loaded with some funny people. I'm looking forward to that right now. That's going to be held downtown at SIR Studio Instrument and Rental on 1101 Cherry Street in Nashville, Tennessee. Mondays, April 10, 17, and 24, 6 to 8. The investment in that class is 200 and that is not a lifetime membership, but you can come back as many times as you like if you want to take that class. You just can't do it for free. Sorry. Can't give away everything, but I try to do the best I can. If you want to learn how to write stand-up comedy and you haven't had a chance to do that yet, we've got the writing class coming up just around the corner. Pulling it up right now. We've got it going on on May 8th, 15th, and 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m. That investment is 200 and that is a lifetime membership. You can come back and sit in on that class, as many students do, over and over again until it sinks in or you pick up new tips from your new perspective further down the road. Again, that's Mondays, May 8, 15, and 22 from 6 to 8 p.m. That's downtown at SIR, 6 to 8 p.m. Lastly, the ever-elusive improv class, Introduction to Improv Level 1 Games. That will happen just after the performance class so six to eight ish for the performance class and then as soon as that class is wrapped up we flip the stage and we start working on improv uh, again same dates april 10 17 and 24 from right around eight o'clock all the way up till 10 o'clock if we need it and the investment of that class 200 beans on that one that's also at sir in nashville tennessee if you'd like to get on the class and you just can't do it because you don't live here in Nashville, no fear. We've got the online comedy class. You can jump into that anytime at schooloflast.com. Check out the online class comedy link. And you can get 20% off right now on the silver edition of that class if you use the code BETTERCOMEDY at checkout. Boom. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I appreciate you listening. I thank you for the iTunes reviews. And as always, stay safe and stay funny. for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, 
Stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.